0: Hello, hello! Can you guys hear me on both sides of your earbuds now? And does it sound a little better? I'm finally starting to piece together this stupid equipment, and I, I got I'm starting to be able to understand it a little better. But I guess that's like I don't know, just the new new equipment rigors, and I don't know, stuff takes time. And hopefully, you guys are sticking around and still listening to me. So, so thanks a lot again. Uh, this is Bass Squad Radio uh, number 15, I think, yeah, number 15, if you count all the old ones, with the equipment that was coming in both sides, but now I, I was, what I was doing is I was recording it in stereo, but I don't have a stereo mic, I have a mono mic, (laughs) so I gotta get a fluorocarbon mic pretty soon, maybe, then I'll, I'll fix everything up, but, uh, but yeah, so, I haven't done a nerd report in a while, so I think I'm gonna do that a little bit, and, uh, Ty Iverson on Twitter was talking to me about it and he was saying how much he he appreciates it and how it's different and weird so I'm going to I going to go ahead and do that again. Um so I uh I talked to you guys all about reading and I read quite a bit and strange books and I've been on like a big non-fiction kick lately like I just finished like I said Graham Hancock's Supernatural before that I I was uh on Fingerprints of the Gods and then I had the War of Art by Stephen Pressfield, which the War of Art by Stephen Pressfield, I may have said it already, is probably one of the best books I've ever read. So if you guys want to read that, go. It's like only like 180 pages. It's real quick and it's a real, real beneficial book. It's it's a lot of. It's not a self help book. I don't want to say that, but but it uh, like helps you break through like blocks of creativity and makes you think a little bit outside the box and lets you get the flow and stuff like that. So, but right now I got. Uh, Got back into, non-fic- or, uh, into fiction I bought, went to Barnes and Noble yesterday. And I was just, met, just seriously, I had no plan. I was just walking around, and I got. Uh, it's called "One More Thing: Stories and Other Stories" by B.J. Novak. B.J. Novak is, uh, if you guys don't know, he's uh, on The Office. Um, he's or was on The Office as Ryan Howard, and he was in Glorious Bastards, and he's a writer and stuff. So, and it's a lot of just a bunch of short stories and like a comedy book. So, pretty pumped about reading that. Uh, And like, I don't know, I've always been, I've really, I kind of got away from reading fiction for a while and I kind of wanted to get back into it. So like I've always, since high school, I've always been like super, super uh, into literature and Shakespeare and in English, especially like just all sorts of interpretation and some weird stuff. So I wanted to be an English teacher in college I never went for the program I ended up starting out doing forestry or something stupid where I never, <laughs> did never even continued with that but uh but I had one story from from English class which made me really really realize how different and strange and not a normal person I was um and I was destined to be like an outcast my entire my entire life um so like I don't know I was in like the AP English classes and stuff and my teacher was my track coach because so I was like an athlete in high school so I just kind of everybody that was in that class was just they would always just write me off because I was just some dumb jock in their class and stuff like that and and uh so I am just surrounded by these uppity English scholar scholarly types where they're talking about symbolism and talking about this talking about that and basically <laughs> what a b- verbatim on what spark notes had said, I don't understand their, their point on why they didn't think for themselves. But, but my teacher was just, he's like one of the best people I've ever, like my, one of the most influential people in my life. He, he always like pushed us to question things and pushed us to go against society and stuff like that. But, uh, anyways, I had like a one, like aha moment where I realized all this stuff was just, I was not going to be the same. Like I said, so it was, uh, we had a report on on poems. We were doing a poem section and Robert Frost, we had a Robert Frost poem we had to dissect. So he told us to go home and write read it and so the uh I'm gonna read the poem and you guys bear with me if I'm not a deaf jam poetry reader, but um it's the it's called Stopping by Woods on a Snowy Evening. And I, don't don't if you guys want to go ahead and fast because this is getting real bad. So just 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 bear with me. Um it's it goes whose woods there I think I know his house in the village though he will not see me stopping here to watch his woods fill up with snow. My horse must think it queer to stop without a farmhouse near between the woods a frozen lake, the darkest evening of the year. he gives his harness bells a shake to ask if there is some mistake. The only other sounds the sweep of easy wind and downy flake. These woods are lovely, dark, and deep, but I have promises to keep and miles to go before I sleep and miles to go before I sleep, okay. So whatever, that was, that was the poem we were told to dissect. And, you know, I get to class and I had done my own thing without re- looking at spark notes. And we go through this whole half an hour and, and I always had talked with my, cause my teacher was always, my track coach, I mean, my teacher was always reading at track meets and I would always go up to him and we'd always have these strange, interesting conversations and he knew I was kind of weird, but so, so I had done this report and, and so everybody was talking about how. You know, the woods are his getaway, the woods equal madness, the woods are not society, blah, blah, blah. All these stupid, cliche type of symbolisms. And that's what, he was accepting it and everybody was, you know, doing their, their job. So then I raised my hand, finally, because he had told me to a million times. And I'm like, well, Mr. Mink, um, I think that Robert Frost is a creep and he's having an affair with some guy's wife. And he just busted out laughing. And everybody else was looking at me so strange. And, like, I told him about the the symbolism of his little horse. Um, you know, his woods, his village. He's going to watch his woods fill up with snow. And there's just all these, like, little weird sexually sexual innuendos. And I don't know. I might be just a creep, too. I might be just a strange dude. But in, like he's talking about the woods might represent the girl too. The woods are lovely, dark and deep, but I have promises to keep. So he might not have actually gone in there and and banged this girl (laughs) to put it crudely. But, uh, so anyway, so like my English teacher is absolutely just busting out laughing and he goes, I have been teaching for 27 years and nobody in my entire life has ever interpreted that poem like that. And he gave, I mean, he gave me an A on the, on the paper and stuff. And it was, it was one of those, shining moments of my life where i'm just like okay i guess i don't have to think like everybody else has to think if everybody goes left i might be able to go right so like so to me like bass fishing right now is my english class and i'm and i'm uh me sitting in the class loving what everybody else has to say and like taking into everything they have to say what into, into account what they interpreted how they view this how they view it and everything like that but but i just make different observations and present it in a different way so doesn't mean it's wrong um but yeah so right there i also i think boom history was just made by the way i think i was the first person ever to link a robert frost poem to a tournament bass fishing so so there you have it so yeah so i'll be i'll update you and if you guys want if you guys want to on twitter if you guys want to talk about books talk about things discuss anything please i'd love to do it nerd report that's like one of my major major passions and stuff like that so so it is March. Um, Casey and I were talking about how March is seriously the worst month for us because <clears throat> not only is it, well, everything's starting to melt, it's actually starting to, weather's kind of starting to warm up and, you know, snow's starting to go away, the ice is starting to subside a little bit, and but it's kind of sucks because it the when the weather is nice like when it's in the 40 45 and it's sunny you can't do anything so it's even almost more depressing than it's in the middle of winter where you're just like okay it's negative 20 out depressing might as well just go sit down screw around in the house and you know whatever so i think the only thing right now that that really lets me just be okay with march is basketball i'm a huge huge basketball fan too so By the way, I have insomnia, so I can afford to have all these strange uh, little obsessions and stuff, and I don't do anything else, but, uh, so, so I got, uh, so March Madness, it started the day, and a couple of upsets happened already, I'm not going to bore you with all that, but, uh, but yeah, so I'm going to go, I'm just going to break it down, I got, uh, Kansas, Michigan State, Oklahoma State, and Wichita State in my final four, um, Almost wanted to see Florida go down today to uh Albany, but that wasn't gonna happen. But <clears throat> yeah, I think uh I don't know. I, I don't I think Oklahoma State is my my nine seed in the final four and that people don't really understand why I chose that, but you know, I'm a big Marcus Smart fan regardless of uh the trouble he got into. I mean, who knows what either one of those guys said. I mean the guy like Marcus Smart pops up and yells and says, He's a racist, he's a fucking racist. Like you can clearly read it. And he's pointing to this some big white guy in the stands, and so I mean I don't know I don't know how to take it I'm I've been there I've I'm in I was in athletics my whole life and emotions can come over you and that's just the same thing with like bass fishing and everything like I, I you know you can tell somebody you can the, you can point fingers you can do whatever you want but in, in in the long run you don't know how you're gonna react in that situation just like the Richard Sherman thing he just he just made it to the Super Bowl and he made the game winning play why would you. How do you ever gonna quantify that to some normal person sitting behind a desk? You just you just really can't. So I don't know what he did, but I'm a big Marcus Smart fan, and because the, he was suspended for those three or four games or whatever, like I think Oklahoma State kind of got a little hosed in their seating. So I mean, they very well might lose to Gonzaga tonight. But uh, uh, John Stockton's little young son is on Gonzaga, and he's real fun to watch. But so I got Oklahoma State, and I got Kansas strictly because of. Andrew Wiggins, and I'm I'm a big proponent in one guy carrying a team in college, especially if they're a draft prospect. I got Duke in the elite eight, also, um, like with Jabari Parker, and, and you know, with Wiggins, everybody, all the pundits are saying he's not as good as what he was originally cast out to be or whatever. But you know, I, and everybody says he doesn't try, he doesn't do this, he can take. But the thing is, is in tournament. He's gonna play, and you are gonna see how much he can take a team on his back. I, I believe maybe not, but like I think during the season he knew he was gonna be a top three pick, anyways. So I, I know this is a shitty attitude to have, but why why risk it and try super hard? I mean, you saw him put up forty points, forty two points the other the other night, a uh, couple weeks ago or whatever, and he's just I don't know. I think he's a stud, and I'll talk about him in just a minute. But but Michigan State just because Izzo. Just because of Izzo. I mean, I really he's probably the best coach in college basketball right now. I don't I don't I mean, way to go on a limb there, Ty. But uh <laughs> but um I don't know. His team has got a little hosed with their seating too. I think they should have been a three or a two even. But so they're in there for just because I got them in the finals and Wichita State ended up winning it all. So Wichita State, I don't know what it is about them. Maybe it's their name, but they're like the least talked about one seed ever and they were 32 and 0 this year and they went to the final four last year they they've only they, the last loss they had besides Michigan who ended up going to the title game last year was to Creighton in like the i think in, in their title game or in the the conference title game so i think Wichita State's for real and i'm really excited to see them that'd be cool for the be cool for college basketball for a lower level team to win and they don't have one star like I just pretty much con- contradicted what I just said, but they have a real, real solid team, and they they're basically the same team as last year. So, so that's, uh, that's that. Um, but I was talking about Wiggins and, and Jabari Parker, and I don't know. I I think in your long run, I I want to say Wiggins is going to be the better player. Um, but Parker, you just can't deny how how phenomenal he is like he he's he's got such a complete game and he's a tall player he's great rebounder Wiggins is just that guy that has just that high high ceiling which he could be something extremely special whereas Jabari Parker might be a really good role player now I'd say this is because I'm a massive Milwaukee Bucks fan and I don't know if anybody knows that about me I know it's unfortunate you can say you're Whatever you want about about that. But they're finally starting to do it right and not play and not try to be the eight seed every single year. So So I'd be really happy to see Andrew Wiggins and well regardless of how I, I still feel like the Lakers are gonna get the number one overall pick somehow. I, I just the, the league is so, so corrupt. I feel like the Bucks are gonna get a three number three overall pick and maybe they're gonna get uh, McDermott from Creighton. I, I I could see him. I have he has a lot of uh, similarities to Larry Bird, and who's my who's my favorite player ever. So, I don't know. It's it's hard for me to say. But I I, would, I if I had to pick right now, and Bucks had the number one overall pick, I'd pick Andrew Wiggins. And the only thing, and I wouldn't why I wouldn't pick him is because I don't know. It's such a toss up because Parker could play a four or a three or two, and Wiggins. I think Wiggins and Giannis out of the Kumpo. He's are. Our young kid that we have that's going to be a stud, I believe. He's huge. He's His hands are like, <laughs> I think, 11 and a half inches from wrist to the tip of his middle finger. So he's got just ridiculous hands. He's got crazy upside. He's athletic. He can dribble the ball. I think Wiggins is going to fight with uh, playing time for him. So I don't know. Wiggins just got that X factor that I think would bring seats with the Bucks. people into the seats with the Bucks desperately, desperately need. No, like, I, sorry, I'm gonna bring bass fishing in. I promise. Um, I, I, with, around the tournament, you know, you got all those those shows talking about, you know, emotions and blah 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 about the kids. And then there was this one sports science show. I think it was sports. I don't really remember, but it was uh just talking about getting into the zone. And I know I touched about that, touched on that in a, in a different podcast. Um, and I was so I like started researching it a little bit. And, uh, so I was on, um, I don't know if you guys know about Peaksports.com, but they have like a lot of nice, uh, mental, mental training for like edges and stuff like that. They're, they have a lot of articles and tips on how to get mentally ready and just get your mindset right. And, uh, yeah, just, just a lot of good psychology articles. And that sounded like a stupid thing. I just said good psychology articles, you know, that's a. Great critique there, Tyler. Um, but anyway, so like, the, like I was talking about, you can't quantify getting into the zone, and but we've all been there. I mean, I play basketball quite a bit, and I know I've had games. I just had one the other night where I was struggling the whole game, and then I took a deep three, and it went in, and then I just kept, I just couldn't miss. You know, you just, you, I swear to God, you could close your eyes and make them. So. I don't know. I've always tried to learn how to do that, especially with fishing. When you get into that where you know you're in that zone where you're just roll casting and roll casting under docks, under docks, under trees, skipping perfectly, flipping to the right holes every single time, making see a blow up, cast it right on top of it. You know, you got you're you're just in this flow. And so I try to I try to research it a little bit and I kind of I found this in the article. that was called Mindsets to Help Athletes Perform in the Zone by Patrick Cohn. Um I didn't mean to rhyme that. I I think that was my Robert Frost stuff, but <clears throat> so it, he goes on about this girl says she's had some problems getting into the zone uh, when she goes from large high pressure comp- competition to smaller events, she can't really keep that adrenaline level up if you want, if you want to call it that, but uh, I, I think it's a a little bit applies to bass fishing. And I think actually, you know what, and it it, profi- it, it now that I think about it, it really, really applies a lot. And, like, he says you, you want to understand what blocks you from getting into the zone. Now, what blocks you from getting in the zone is fear of failure, perfectionism, high expectations, self-doubt, or low confidence. Now, high expectations and self-doubt and low confidence are kind of opposite, I want to say. Low confidence, obviously, is a big, big deal in fishing. You want to always be as confident as you possibly can in a bait and in the spot, and that, that comes with practice, that comes with this, that comes with that. But high expectations kind of is it's kind of like a dog biting you in the ass. Like, it, you want it – I'm trying to phrase this the right way. Like, you want to be prepared, but you don't want to over-prepare either. You don't want to know you're going to win the tournament going into it. You know what I mean? Mike, you know what I mean, Mike? Talk- <laughs> I Like, you don't want to <sighs> – you don't want a big eye stuff is what i'm trying to say i guess cuz you you can fall into that trap where you may have caught fish in the spot and you just know they're there so you stick it out and turns out they never show up so then you got lack of focus trying too hard trying too hard is a definite one that keeps you from doing it now when you're really trying okay i got to get this cast perfectly next to this third dock post skipping it way underneath there boom you bang the top of it You're not even close but when you're just like, okay, third doc post, bam, you knock it in. And it's not, so like, I th- it's really kind of strange because like he has lack of focus is a block, but then trying too hard is at the same time. So I think sometimes when you try too hard, you're focusing too much and that kind of remains, you know, you want to stay loose on the water. whatever that be? Listening to music or, you know, talking to your partner or just keeping a light attitude. Maybe, I don't know, listening to my podcast when you're on the water. Um, Intimidation That has to reign true for guys fishing the elites When you see KVD Right behind you You gotta block all that out I've definitely been intimidated millions of times You know, fishing the college circuit When I was younger I I just got intimidated by the southern draw To be completely honest like Just that voice I knew was Okay, this guy's kind of He's got a southern accent He must be good at fishing And then all of a sudden turns out Well, we're kind of the same people (laughs) I mean... So it's, it's hard not to be intimidated, but once you're, that first hour goes by and you're just on the boat by yourself, it, it intimidation is not really a huge factor for me, I don't think. But uh, worrying about what others think is an obvious one. Lack of intensity. Now, that is that kind of counteracts fishing a little bit. You don't want to be too intense, but it works for some people. I'm, I'm a pretty neurotic person. I jump around on the boat and I do all this, but that, that works for me because that keeps me in line. Ike is the same way. Well, then you got someone like Cliff Pace or Randall Tharp. Randall Tharp misses a 10-pounder and just kind of sits there, grabs his rod, and keeps fishing. So during a classic. I mean, at some time you don't want to be too intense because that can be a block also. Um, Now, then he says mindsets that help athletes enter the zone. Now, fishermen, athletes, same thing. (laughs) So it says be here now. Pick out and focus the right performance cues that help you stay in the moment. Now, I mean, right performance cues can anything just as simple as knowing there's a certain like just patterning fish could be that, you know, knowing, okay, I'm probably gonna get a bite here. So I got to focus extra hard and and bam, um, stop worrying about the outcome of the competition. That is a completely obvious one. Uh, don't worry about what other people are fishing. You can't control what them, what they're doing anyway. So don't worry about it. You can't control the weather. Everybody's got to deal with it. Let go of what other others might think about your performance. Stop trying to read others' minds. I don't know about trying to read others' minds. That kind of doesn't really apply to this at all. But others think about your performance. Nobody's gonna judge you. We've all had shitty days on the water. We all know what it's about. Everybody's everybody, everybody who's anybody that's bass fished knows that, except for maybe Kevin Van Dam. But uh, yeah. <laughs> Park distractions from your life that might take you take into competition. I mean. If you just broke up with your girlfriend <laughs> because you bass fish too much, don't think about it. I don't know. I that one's kind of cheesy. I don't really, I don't really think that. I don't really like that one very much. But perform functionally the opposite of trying to be perfect, and that kind of resorts to the thing. And I was talking about casting under the dock, where you, okay, if you cast near it, more than likely you're going to hit on target instead of actually trying to hit the exact spot on the dock. Um. Make it a goal to have fun instead of being too serious. This is completely true. And, you know, Casey, I don't know. I think Casey and I talked about it about us. We just completely fuck around on the water. I mean, I don't want to say completely mess around, but like we we constantly joke, we we're talking around we talk about stuff. We we make fun of things, we make fun of people on the water, we jo- we yell at them when we're on the water like because we're fishing a lot, a lot, in a lot of our club tournaments, we do that, we don't obviously do that in the bigger competitions, but, you know, we joke around, and we end up fishing way better, because we, we figured, when we went out and practice one time, we didn't retie the day before, now, I don't, now, I'm not saying I condone this, I don't I don't condone not re but like, we, we just kind of threw a rise in the water, woke up in the morning, did the same thing, and we, we caught so many fish, and we're just like, God, you know, we just didn't even try, and we we were messing around, and we caught way more, so we tried it in our tournament, we obviously retied. and do Do things that are completely necessary but we did way better than than uh than what we did in the past so instead of just intently focusing a hundred percent lighten up a little bit and that might stem from listening to some music or just doing whatever um keep it simple avoid overthinking or analyzing that's happening that's i mean don't overthink things if you're getting bites don't leave to go get other bites in a different spot of the lake where you don't know i I firmly believe if you if you're on them stay there don't it sometimes it's it works, but in my opinion, more often than not it doesn't you're more likely to get a big bite schooled in with a bunch of fish than going out where you don't know they're biting. It might be a long run and you're like, okay, they're definitely biting over there if they're biting here. Well, chances are they're not at least that's my opinion. Now you can take it whatever you want. Stop judging how well you're doing on every play slash cast. <laughs> Get to the next play slash cast. Um, yeah, if you break one off, do your best to just shake it off and be like, "Oh, that happens." Um, like I don't, I don't know. I, I get I get upset with people that that bitch about missing fish or doing whatever. It's just you know what it 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 just it's not gonna. Sometimes it doesn't happen. You just don't you don't catch every single fish. You 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 know you know, and. The one thing that I really don't like when people do is, like, they'll flip. Like, I, I always ca- I cast, and everybody that's fished with me can attest to this, I, I cast over everything. Like, I'll fling it over the top of a tree, o- over the top. I've cast it over a road before or over, like, a sidewalk before because we couldn't get in the backwater. But, and, you know, I break off a lot of fish. I miss a lot of them doing that. I'll drag it over logs, and the fish will pop off, and, you know... I hear a lot of people bitching about that when they're like, "Oh yeah," and then I had it over here, and it just it got hung up on the tree. Well, the fish wouldn't a bit if you didn't cast back there. So, you know, I don't know. I always just make whatever cast because they're not gonna bite anyways. You might as well make the cast. They're not gonna. You're not gonna get the bite if you never cast there. So I always cast them like the most gnarly, gross looking things. Uh, excuse me. Uh, uh, just completely imaginable. So, now I, I spoke about KVD. Um, there was a article I just read, because he didn't do so hot in his last tournament, that, oh, is Kevin Van Dam washed up, it's like, get get real, I mean, really, he's, I think, I, I, I read in Bassmaster last year, he's cashed in 97% of the tournaments he's fished in the BASS, oh, BASS, so like, I think it was 97, it was something like, it was something insane number like that, where He's not only the best; he's far and away the best, in my opinion. Once again, Tom Izzo is a great basketball coach. Kevin Van Dam is a great, great fisherman. I am just prediction machine. Tyler is what you should call me. Um, but, anyways, like he, he, he's. They said he's talking about him struggling in the classics. Well, if you don't remember, <laughs> he won the 0809 and '2010 Angler of the Year. I think '2010 was the one Skeet dominated. All year, and Kevin Van Dam won the uh, won the points, run ra- uh, the tournament at the end of the year, and they crowned him the angler of the year. Now they have a separate is a separate deal, but so Skiery should have won in 2010. But I mean, officially Kevin Van Dam was the angler of the year that year. So, and then he backs that up with a classic in 2010, a classic in 2011, one of which he completely dominated 2011. Now it it might not show the weight, how much he did, but that tournament he was des- he's destroyed everybody. And for you to say that he's he's struggling, he might be washed up is just completely ludicrous. Last year he finished third in angler of the years in the angler of the year voting or angler of the year race. And yeah, he didn't qualify for day two of this classic, and he's doing real bad. I'd look today on the St. Johns. He he's like in the 80s. You think he has a limit for nine pounds or something like that. But who knows? I mean, he's just. I just I just take that. I don't even take that into consideration anymore when I read things like that. And it's just it's just people that are, you know, woo peddlers looking for looking for people to comment back. I've I at least I have to believe that. I don't know. Maybe they're just stupid <laughs> and not well informed, and they just read an article write an article about it. But uh, but yeah. So that's Ken Van Dam is still and will always be the best ever. I. I I don't know. I I don't see anybody. Jason Christie's coming there is close. Brent Aylor's close, but I don't there's just nothing like Kevin Van Dam. He's just his his knowledge alone is is just completely unmatched by anybody. Um Yeah, so I'm going to keep talking about fast fishing. I'll, I'll finish it up talking about bass fishing. Uh I don't know if you guys watched it or checked out our YouTube channel. Our YouTube channel is Bass Squad Corp. Um, we got a bunch of stuff out there and Teddy Toad jr. Just posted a a video to our YouTube channel of him, uh, catching a bunch of walleyes on it's the Wisconsin river. Um, it's under, under a dam that opens up really, really early. And we don't like a lot of our river systems, everything even gets, gets frozen completely, completely frozen over during the winter. So, you know, and, and then this year, the, Crawdad actually had to shovel out the uh, the landing, and then everybody started going there. So <laughs> you can catch walleyes and stuff early in the season, and and the river is just raging and with all the snow melt and everything. So Teddy went out there and caught a bunch of walleye and stuff, and that reminded me of uh, a couple year <laughs> couple of years ago, I uh, when I went to Stevens Point, that the my boat was done, I got it tuned up, and it was in early March, and it was still Ice was on all the lakes around here, so I figured I would just take the boat out, run it a little bit, get all the gunk, all the old gas out, and even though I use stable it still, I still, I still like to have like fresh, complete everything running good. So I, you know, I just just got the boat back, put it on the trailer, take it down to the water. By my, I'm by myself. So and like I said, this water is absolutely raging. So to launch by yourself is stupid to begin with. And, I mean, I would, I don't know what a knot is, but, so I'm not going to, but, I mean, I swear the water was moving three, four miles an hour. Whatever that in knots is, I don't really care. But, <laughs> but, um so anyway, so I launch the boat, and normally what I do is I just launch it, keep it attached, get in the, get in the boat after I, and push it off the trailer, pull it up to the shore, whatever. So I do that, I, I jump up, unhook it, the boat's halfway in the water, I push off, and my boat immediately just gets sucked down the dry, down the, um, Down the current. So I run back. Put the... No fucking keys. (laughs) In the boat. So now I got a trolling motor. Which at that time I had my stock trolling motor. Which was only 46 pounds of thrust. I'm trying to fight this current. Which is... That's not happening. I continually just get... So I beach it. And jump out into the water. The water is 34 degrees. Jump out. Drag the boat all the way. With my just bare feet there's probably 40 or 50 people standing standing on the bank I'm running over all their lines it's a just complete nightmare they're all looking at me like throwing their hands up all pissed off because I'm running over all their trot lines or whatever the, <laughs> whatever the hell you use for walleyes so I'm I'm just like I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry so I just I do my best I get it back there's no way I'm getting it back on the trailer with no power so so then I, you know, what I ended up having to do was, and then mind mind you, I'm in the water, my legs are completely, I have a bunch of hardware in my right ankle, so any bit of cold just shoots at pain all up my leg. So I'm standing there, like knee deep in water, putting this thing back on the trailer. I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to describe as best I can. So the tra- <laughs> like the boat is parallel to the trailer, but the the ass end is towards my truck so the 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 bow is actually pointing out into the water and so i had to i hooked it with my uh, my winch i hooked it and ended up having to jackknife the boat back onto the trailer i'm standing there nobody's <laughs> nobody is helping me everybody's just staring back at me i'm completely soaking it's probably only 35 outside so it it I was getting hypothermia every second I was in the water, and this took me like 15 minutes to do this. So I'm I'm pissed off. I throw all my my stuff back in the thing, take it out. Forgot to put my motor back up. Skeg drags on the goddamn <laughs> on the ground. I look like a complete moron. I throw everything. So then I get back and grab my keys and go out there and do it again. <laughs> so I ended up running it that day and you know doing everything fine. Everything was fine. So then I go back home posted on uh posted on Facebook like nothing like <laughs> launching your boat 34 degrees raging current without any keys first person to like it was Rick Klon, and I was just like well, that's kind of strange I didn't even know I was friends obviously I don't think it's him doing it but I mean it might be but it was pretty pretty funny' one of uh one of that, that story of of the old Wis- old Scani River I up in Steven's point that's like our haven we we live on that thing and the stevens point flowage is like one of my favorite bodies of water and a lot of people a lot of people might disagree with me on that but adam adam probably doesn't um so so it's like a it's equally as treacherous there's i mean as also by the way there's rocks everywhere on that on that river where i was to riprap my boat banging into the riprap everything it was just a nightmare so there's a lot of It's a really treacherous river to run, especially in the backwaters. There's lots of deadheads floating around. There's a lot of wood. There's a lot of – the the river channel changes every year because of the, uh, I don't know, the harsh winters we have up here. So Adam and I fished it so much that we actually – there's like a – you can follow the river channel, and it's about a five, maybe 10-mile run to the backwaters. Or you can cut across this huge stump flat and you can get to the backwaters in like two minutes. So Adam and I figured out how to run it. So we always just, so we have tournaments and a lot of people fish the backwaters. So 20 boats launch, all of them go up river to do the loop around to go to the backwaters. And we and Adam just cut across. So, and you know, it's the best spot on the lake. We, we, we It's always one back there. So we always, everybody gets envious because we always hit it first. Anyways. So we're flying there. Everybody's like, "Oh, how do you guys run that stuff?" Blah blah blah. And everybody's, you know. So we don't want to tell anybody because it, it, it took us a long time to figure it out. So, anyways, this other guy, we were we were just out there fun fishing, and so we're we're fishing the mouth, which is right by all the stump flat that we run past, and we see our part one of our club guys putting through it. So I'm like, "Oh my god, he's trying to figure it out." and you just see his boat banging up around and you know if you're not on pad if you're putting you're going to bang into every single stump i mean our skeg is pro- i'm seriously not even joking probably 6 to 8 inches above the stumps it isn't it's very very hairy to run back there so so we're seeing him putt and, and his dog's running he's got one of these little rat dogs that just runs all over the place and yaps and barks and goes nuts so we're we're fishing the mouth and all of a sudden he's putting up near us and he's waving and he's like, how do you guys run this shit? So, okay. He pulls up next to us and he's going right towards where we know there's a big stump and we're just like, Hey, hey." so (laughs) he hits it and the momentum of his boat like went forward and then like kind of went backwards at the same time. Like, okay. So it stopped and then it kind of rocketed back. So it like shook a little bit and went backwards. So, his dog was standing on the back deck and got <laughs> slingshotted into the water right by the motor and everything. So so this guy doesn't notice and he just keeps going. So and we're just like waving at him and he's like, What is there? A stump? He has no idea his dog is swimming behind <laughs> behind his boat. So yeah, and then he finally gets it and so yeah, so that's our Stevens Point flow story. It's a it's a fun body water, though. I mean, when you're when you're on those fish. And they're just tied to the wood. There's just nothing better than, than a, than a nice flipping bite in the wood. But we joke about that because every time we're on a good bite, for some reason or another, one up for someone or another will say, you know, there's nothing better than a good crankbait bite. A couple weeks later, you know, there's nothing really better than a good drop shot bite where you're fighting the fish. Blah blah blah. Nothing good better than a good frog bite where you can see all the action. So there's there's nothing better than just a good bite. I'm three for three on. Uh, an outstanding predictions so so thanks a lot for for that tie again um let's see where we're at here oh jesus 37 minutes already wow okay well i think uh i think i'm pretty much done um website you guys keep checking it out i know you guys are supporting us by buying stuff and hopefully the kinks are worked out and we got all our uh things shipped to use so if you guys still have problems without getting your items please please contact us because we're we're still infancy i'm doing all the shipping from my house so i don't know a lot of of stuff can go wrong and i mean you guys realize that and thanks a lot for not bitching about anything so so thanks a lot um but everything's working out now we're getting two-day shipping so i think right around two days so when you guys order it should be in by you guys in at least in in like less than a week for sure so so uh, we got that. We got um, limited quantities. We're gonna reorder a bunch of stuff soon. If you guys order it out, um, we got we changed our prices a little bit. We got our black t-shirts with our white logos and our white t-shirts with our black logos, both for eleven ninety nine. I think we got a couple two XLs, but those are like thirteen ninety nine or something, just because they cost a little bit more to make. So hoodies are now twenty nine ninety nine, and you guys can still save ten percent with BSR discount code, all caps. And uh, pretty exciting uh, to announce that we're going to be carrying some lures on there. Well, not some, but our first run. My buddy, uh, who I talk about all the time, Adam, he makes his own uh, Alabama rigs, or he calls them the AK rigs or the Bass Bites AK rigs. And, I mean, I don't know what is different about them because I'm not a lure head. I'm not someone who tinkers too much. But they're better than than any Alabama rig I've ever used, and I'm not saying that. I mean, they're expensive. I don't know how much he's gonna sell them for, but they're custom made. Every single component is absolutely unbelievable. They flat out catch more fish than the other ones. We we were doing. I mean, you guys can watch our Lake Gunnersville uh, bass montage on YouTube. Um, I did like a 15 minute mashup of the some of the fish catches we had in, on Lake Gunnersville, and we caught more and bigger fish with that AK rig. <coughs> Excuse me. I think I'm done. (coughs) Sorry. Yeah, that that fish, that thing just flat out catches catches more fish. And and I think he's going to be selling them in just uh, blueback color right now. Uh, He's going to have them with blades or without blades. But seriously, if you guys have ever fished an Alabama rig before, they're the real deal. I mean, we, we, we... seriously caught probably 75 fish a piece, most of them over three, three and a half pounds. And none of the wires bent, none of the wires broke. And I've always, I've always had issues, especially with the original ones, like the, uh, not that they're not good. I mean, the original man's ones were really good, but the wires broke after about 15 fish, 20 fish. And so check these things out They're They'll, they'll work for anything, especially if they're shad around in the, colder weather i don't really like alabama rigs too much in uh you know in the warmer weather what what have you just after after the spawn they're pretty much done until fall so but if you guys want to try him out please support him um he's he's a mastermind an absolute mad scientist and casey hopefully casey's gonna be on our, our next podcast uh i think i'm gonna have it this weekend um and he'll he'll say the same thing so so check out Lake Gunnersville bass montage on YouTube, uh, comment on that. It's, it was fun and it was very frustrating cause I'm not really into video editing. I took one class on it and, but, uh, crawdad is down there and he's got a perch video where his, his partner, Leo does phenomenal video work. And so he's down in Ozarks right now. Teddy's down in Ozarks right now. Um, practicing for the BASS tournament down there, uh, my alma mater recently just got the new standings came out for the Boat US and, or whatever, the College Bass National Championship, Collegiate Bass Championship website, the ACA rankings, I should say. UW Stevens points in fourth right now, which is phenomenal. Congratulations to you guys. Uh, Jason Hawksford, you're doing a great job uh, as president. I don't know if you listen to these things. I don't really care, <laughs> but uh, thanks. Thanks for all you did, and, you know, it's... uh Great little club up here in the north that we uh, we pride ourselves on. So we got a bunch of teams, like I said, going to Lake of the Ozarks and uh, Table Rock. So hopefully we jump up in the standings. Um, Forty-two minutes in, I think that's about right. Hopefully you guys bared with me and stuck with the uh, the old stupid Robert Frost rant and the, my little English garbage. Um, if you guys like that, like I said, continue to comment on Twitter and. Talk to me about it. I, I am more than happy to talk to you about it. So uh, yeah, TG is out and so is this podcast.